Hey guys, what's going on? Thanks for checking out the Heroes Home Base Podcast, Episode 3. Hey guys, welcome into another episode. This is Rich. Hey, True Believers, this is Mark. Hey guys, it's Rob. So what the heck's going on, guys? I'll tell you what the fuck's going on. Comic-Con is next week. That shit is in the air. I can smell it. I can't even stand it. I can't wait. It is New York Comic-Con. I, it's, it's in, I can smell it. That's how the countdown is on. So, Mark, is, does it smell any different because we're not going this year? Oh. Um, it doesn't smell any different, but it hurts so much. Oh my Where God. does it hurt, sir? Where does it hurt? In the heart. Everywhere. In the heart, it hurts everywhere because Are our you feverish? You no, feverish? I'm not feverish, <laughs> but it hurts all over my body because our whole bodies are tired whenever we, because at seven o'clock when we leave that place. Oh, shit, dude, you're not kidding. I think I, I had the highest step, on my Fitbit when I had that piece of crap, when I was in New York after Comic Con. I mean, I don't know how we make it back from the from the Javits Center to my apartment. I don't know how we make it back, but we do, and I'm sad we're not going to do it this year, but. There's always next year, and the years go, but the year go by so quickly. So I, oh my I'm God, not I worried. Just, I feel like we just left a place, man. I'm, yeah, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I've never, I've never considered stretching before going to a nerd convention before. But after that first year, man, after that first year, we walked around forever. I was like, I'm stretching. Good Lord. Which is like, I'm going to do some squats. I should <laughs> probably do Pilates. Pilates and a little bit of yoga. Mm-hmm. So what else is going on this week, boys? Well, I feel proud, uh, a, fra- a proud um, comic book parent. Uh, Jensen and I went to Laughing Ogre um, yesterday, and he got a uh, Incredibles uh, comic. So now he has a small collection. I must confess, they are not in backboards and bags, but he has three comic books in the back pocket of my chair in the car and he reads them frequently he's like dad i'm reading my comic and it reminded me of when you know rich when we would quote read our comics when we were younger which just meant let me peruse the pictures and right to, right. to hell with the words in the panels so <clears throat> i was tempted to buy another 80th anniversary batman pop but i don't have any place to put it so i resisted that temptation and we just got uh, Jensen, another Incredibles comic. So that's what's going on with me. How about you guys? Well, Kim and I, we usually take our nieces and nephews like out for their birthday. We don't just get them something. We just say, hey, let's go shopping. You got 40 bucks to spend. So we uh, we took our nephew out this past week. And I'm telling you, man, he was like, I want to go to GameStop. I'm like, GameStop? What's a GameStop? Like, you download all your stuff now. So I went into GameStop for the first time and I don't know how long and it's like Jim Five Lee years. it's like Jim Lee exclusive stuff in there. So me being the And GameStop? At GameStop. There was more merchandise in there, statues, wow. pop figures, t shirts, than there were video games. And I'm really? like, Well, let me Which see GameStop that. did you go to? I, I, I'm assuming they're all like that now. I don't know. So, you know, I splurged a little bit and bought myself a little Superman and Wonder Woman pop for my showcase. So <laughs> showcase is getting full there, bro. Yes, it is. You're going to get a third one now. No, there's no room for that. 
We'll just start leaving him at Mark's place. So what else yeah, is going leave on in the, here. Big, in the big, big city there, Mark? Uh, let's see. Just working. Um, I, let's see. I went to uh, Midtown. No, it was Forbidden Planet that I went to off of Union Square. I went to Forbidden Planet, and I just was kind of just walking around seeing what was new. I didn't pick up anything. But, Is that the uh, one with the Terminator in the window that you took us to last time? Wasn't there a comic book store that had like a statue of one of the Terminators I in the doorway? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, by yeah, a yeah, restaurant yeah. with the peanut butter dessert you wanted to try. I don't remember. You had a good we didn't, memory. We didn't go to Midtown last last year. We went to some other con- – I think it was that one. I know we went to St. Mark's. It was St. Mark's. Oh, so they're the one that has like the huge Terminator statue? Yes. But they've since closed. They closed. What? That was a sweet store. It was a sweet store, but a little – actually, no. It was a lot overpriced. Are you kidding me? Because remember all those X-Men <laughs> books? That one? They were like, no, it was a lot. Remember them X-Men books I wanted? The Chris Claremont run? They were like $100. Why did I have to go to New Jersey and buy them shits for like 45 Dude, what was the comic book store that was a hole in the wall? It was like a hole in the wall. We went the very first time I went to con with you guys. I think that was St. Mark's. It was very dingy because that that was in the heart. It was was in in a basement somewhere. Yeah, it was in the heart of East Village. That been there for about 30, 35 years, but they recently closed their drift because I don't think they couldn't afford the rent, which I can't. Now I know why. Because you're charging, overcharging on these books that should not be $175. I don't think so. The musty smell in there at least about 35 years old. So, I mean. Well. Dude, I loved it though. I loved it though. It was like in a garage somewhere, is what it felt like. God bless them. May they rest in peace. <laughs> like all good comic stores, they all good comic. They went to comic book store heaven. They're up there with Comic Connection up there. May they be. <laughs> may they rest in peace. In Westerville Comic Town. So Mark, yeah. when the year you got X Men One Hundred One, we went in there before Con, and do you remember how much they were charging for that? It was like a hundred. It was like one hundred and seventy-five dollars. And what did you end up getting it for at Con? The next day at Con, one fifty. But that's a one hundred one. Let's be clear, that's a one hundred one. So that's understandable. But the issues before that and the issues after that, let's that not Phoenix? get crazy, people. Is that Phoenix? Yes. Let's not get stupid and dumb and charge four hundred dollars for a book when that shit should be like seventy five. Well, and let's think about this. You you like at least doubled or if not tripled the value of that book like 30 minutes later by getting Claremont's signature on it. That's right. And the thing is, it's like, now I know why those books were still on the on the shelves in that comic book store because nobody's paying for $400 for a fucking, no, that's not, let's that's, that's, that's not get crazy. <laughs> but that's right. I, had, I went around the corner and we got Chris Claremont, the Chris Claremont, to sign my shit. Let's be real with ourselves. So uh, did you guys happen to check out the email? Let me go I did see that. that. Yeah, it was good. So her Badgley wrote in to us in response to our uh, last episode. He uh, he wrote us, love what you guys are doing. This sounds like the conversations I've had a hundred of times with my friends and I learned something. All I wanted to do the whole time was jump in with my opinion. Oracle is great, but it's hard to, to weigh her against Batman and Superman in my opinion. I'm on board the Superman 1, Batman 2, Oracle 3 boat, so... So he agreed with the three that we brought to the conversation, essentially. Correct. So he doesn't really, he didn't really say anything about who he would have picked or anything. So thanks, Herb. Thanks for writing in, buddy. Thanks, Herb. Yeah, good stuff. 
so I don't know. We were kind of talking this week and kind of segueing after our heroes episode. Uh, what do we really want to dive into this week? I think a good uh, what we a good idea would be to dive into the most underrated villains. Obviously, I think a lot of people know the big, big major league villains, but we don't really talk about or the underrated villains don't get enough screen time or enough uh, panel time in comics. In in my opinion, they don't get enough limelight. So today we're going to focus on the most underrated villains, and I've got my top one, two, three, four most underrated villains that we've seen in comics, movies and television and some in cartoons but not really these villains I, I they're really a great they're great villains i think and they're original villains but you don't really see them all that often and so for me i chose whirlwind he is a villain that was created in 1950 so he's been around a long time he's a mutant and his first appearance was in avengers 139 um he in 1975, that was his first appearance in the Avengers. I believe his first appearance is in Tales of Astonish because he was primarily a villain of Giant Man and the Wasp. Okay. And then he later became a villain of the Avengers when he joined the second generation of Masters of Evil. But he appeared in a couple of cartoons like Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes that came out in, I believe, 2012. And um, their second season, Avengers Assemble. But he's really one of my favorite, favorite underrated villains. He's a mutant who can uh, turn his body into wind and create whirlwinds around him. And that's why his, uh, his power is so cool. And again, I think that I would be so awesome if they showed him on the big screen like in a movie. But he's one of my favorite, favorite underrated villains. He, I have the issue right here, actually, where he joined the second generation of the Masters of Evil in Avengers number volume, Avengers volume 1, issue 222. He actually, because he was a primarily a villain of the Giant Man and the Wasp, he actually dressed up as and pretended to be the Wasp's chauffeur. <laughs> And in this particular issue and try to attack her but the Avengers ganged up on him and once again they all lost and he's just one of my favorite favorite underrated villains um, another one is Tiger Shark who appeared first appeared in 1968 and he was actually it was so interesting he was actually an Olympic swimmer who hurt who got hurt and he had an experiment treated on him and he has like the DNA of a submar of the superhero Namor, the Submariner, and a tiger shark, but it completely changed his DNA, and so he ended up becoming a villain of Submariner. And later on, he also joined the second generation of the Masters of Evil. And he has also appeared in the West Coast Avengers, and he um, is also a- another underrated villain, which I think he would be so awesome to see on the big screen and in co- and cartoons. But he is also one of my uh, favorite underrated villains, Tiger Shark. My next one is Greg Gargoyle, who, and I actually have his issue here. I believe it was issue Avengers Volume 1, issue 190 and 191, where they kind of tell a little bit of his backstory. He was primarily a villain of Thor. His first appearance was in 1964, and he's also been a villain of the Avengers. He was a French chemist, and there was some sort of accident in his lab and turned his skin to stone and anything he touches, he can turn to stone. And he's actually been in also Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. He's been in on that cartoon show. Um, so he hasn't been on the big screen at all, but he was in um, 
that episode. He was in he was in that cartoon series, and he's also another underrated villain because I mean anything he touches he turned to stone. In this one particular issue, he turned Iron Man and Daredevil, who are both heavy hitters, they're no lightweights. He turned them both right. into stone, and he, I mean it took the full roster of the Avengers to take him down. And he is also he's just one of my favorite underrated characters. Um, the next one you guys would be happy at this because you guys primarily are DC was Victor Zaz. I know you guys know him well. He, um, I know him through Birds of Prey. He's another one that has appeared on the big screen. He appeared in Batman Begins in yep. 2005. I remember, remember that. that. He appeared in the Respect issue. Remember that Respect series I was so happy about the Batgirl epi- the Batgirl issue. He was her primary villain, and he was in Gotham, the television show the live action television show. And he's also going to be in the new Birds and Prey movie. Yeah, so I'm like, so that's a character that is also really kind of like transcended and really made its way onto the big screen. I mean, he's a psychopath. And for me, like the Joker is a psychopath, but Victor Zaz, I mean, he's a serial killer. I mean, the Joker's a serial killer also, but Victor Zaz, he scares me even more than the Joker. I mean, this guy, for every victim that he does, that he kills, he scars. He He tallies himself. He tallies himself with a blade on his skin. So his body is full of tallies. So that just goes to show you how many people he's killed. I mean, he's a true psychopath serial killer i mean he scares me more than the joker i think that the joker the joker is so unpredictable yeah you could be freaked out by him and scared by him because you don't you so you don't know what he's gonna do i mean he could blow you up he could shoot you he could burn you with acid whatever but like he's zaz is like one of those you're looking at evil with no joke you know what i mean right I guess what frightens me about the Zazzes and the Jokers, I know we're not talking about some of the mainstream villains, and Joker is definitely one of the top DC villains. But to me, what makes them frightening is that they could be real, you know? Yeah. Like, there's not much separation between the fiction of the character and what somebody with, you know, some serious um, mental health or other things that that could clearly be a joker. I'm sure in, in reality, there are some Victor Zazzes in real life. You know what I'm saying? That, and even to, to them, to uh, just a little bit of, to, to that extent, mirror him in, in real life. Yeah. But those um, those four are my favorite underrated villains that I never get tired of reading about them or reading issues that they're in because I just think they're just solid underrated characters that just don't get enough um, spotlight. Some of the major villains that we all know um, that I'm sort of tired of hearing about because there are so many villains, you know, that yeah. I'm sorry, I'm tired of hearing about Magneto, I'm tired of hearing about Lex Luthor, and I'm tired of hearing about the Joker. For example, Magneto does not need to be, he is not the X-Men's only villain. For yeah. example, the X-Men have so many villains. Mystique is not one of the prime uh, is not a primary X-Men villain. There are so many other villains and Magneto and Mystique do not need to be in every single X-Men movie. When I start when I saw that I'm like, well now I know this is ridiculous because everybody knows <laughs> everybody knows that he's not in every single issue nor is she. So it's just like they're in it but they're not, you know, he's a Magneto's a major player. Mystique is major but not in every single story. They're not involved in every single story. I mean, so like, if you were thinking about it, like the live action movies, Mark, like, do you think they did? Do you think they did Magneto properly? Maybe in the first few that, like, the first one that came out in 2000. But after that, it's like, let it go. There are so many other villains. There's Mojo. There's Juggernaut. There's Mister Sinister. There is the Blob. There is the Brood. 
There is the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. You know, there's Pyro. I mean, they showed Pyro, but they could have done a little better job with him. But I'm tired of hearing, you know, Magneto's been around since 1963. But again, the whole hey, bro. Hey, you got Toad in the first movie, man. You know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but I mean, you How do you know, go Ma- from Darth Maul to the Toad? Well, listen let's table that because the whole live action movies that's a whole other podcast but my point was that it's just these major villains they get enough spotlight let's shed let's try to shine some light on some of these other lesser known villains that have kind of got a little bit of screen time but could use a lot more it'd be nice for people to see them in a movie kind of like what we're talking about where then they got to go backtrack and trace them to the actual text so it'd be cool to see a tiger shark. It would just be nice for people to see a, a, a well-unknown villain and then have to go to the comics and then figure out what their origin was. Right, exactly. I mean, that's letting then you know, that helps people to do their homework. Because you're going to watch these movies, you got to do your homework, in my opinion, so you can learn a little bit about these characters. What about see, you guys? I, I, Who did you I don't guys know. Choose? I don't think people want to do the homework. That's probably the thing. I, I've been wondering, how do you pick the villains for you know these comic movies or comic shows that are so popular right now and i think it's really which ones have the most flash have the most power and you know are just kind of larger than life i think the more large they are the more screen time they get i don't know good point and also what actor can draw and can put asses in the seat kind of thing right yeah yeah i just remember do you remember like obviously Michael Keaton started with the Joker and then that whole sequence of movies coming out every other summer or whatever. And they're like, well, who's going to be in this movie? And then who's going to be in this movie? And it was literally just the rogues gallery of Batman's top five or whatever. Absolutely. What about you guys? Who are your, some of your favorite underrated villains? So I was looking back on some old JLA books. Okay. Um, and one that really caught my eye was Prometheus. So he originally premiered in, it was actually Prometheus number one, and that was in December of 97. But I first kind of um, was exposed to him early on in the JLA run, issue 16, when they were doing a brand new lineup. And essentially Prometheus infiltrated the JLA, disguised himself as a, a would-be hero that wanted to join the team. But one of the things that I liked was he's able to um, – he has like a – it's like a computer in his helmet where he can download um, moves of comic characters and ninjas throughout history. And essentially he was able to exploit all of the JLA members' weaknesses and how he could overcome them. And he pretty much defeated the entire JLA single-handedly. Um, a lot of that had to do with um, – he hacked the Bat computer, and Batman had stored files of all the weaknesses of all the JLA members. Because that's oh. just a shady. That's just a shady thing that Batman would do. Well, and and again, it was, I think, precautious. Precautious, but obviously, you're open yourself up and the team to potential um, supervillains when that happens. But um, so he was defeated. But what happens again? It was in a later run of the same book, um, World War Three, which actually Morrison continued. And Prometheus um, reappears. But I remembered that story in particular because Batman wasn't going to allow himself to get defeated again. He hacked his helmet and deleted all the files for Prometheus and then um, replaced it with the muscle memory of Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Whoa. 
So he was completely paralyzed. So that was kind of how he he um, was defeated. But he took down Oracle. He almost killed Oracle, threw her through the clock tower. Um, but essentially, they were possessed by um, Megadon, which was kind of a uh, supervillain, which then kind of plays on villains already. So they were kind of um, already manipulated um, when they were trying to seek revenge on the JLA. So Prometheus was one, and then I didn't know too much of the backstory, but the other person I was thinking of was the General, and he's actually in that World War III series in JLA, and essentially he's kind of like a Wolverine-like character, where essentially he can be destroyed, like he can lose limbs, and his body will regenerate it super quickly. And he's originally from um, Captain Adam, and that was the second series, number one, so that's actually in 1988. And then he reappears again in JLA 25, um, which is in January of 99. But uh, kind of his, he's General Wade Illing. Ah, Wade Illing, yeah. Illing, sorry. This just shows you how much I know. Um, But yeah, I just thought kind of what would happen if like a Wolverine-like character was evil. And essentially he pretty much gave Superman kind of a run for his money. And they essentially had to take him to another dimension. Um, to kind of get him off, get him out of their hair for a while. So um, the other kind of, I'm not cheating, but the other kind of comic book character that I think is really underrated is Two-Face. And the reason I think he's kind of underrated, I look at him as the evil version of Batman, essentially. This um, dual identity that eventually, you know, gets exploited and, you know, he kind of has a visual now <laughs> reminder of two sides of his kind of personality. And I just think throughout his run, I mean, he's in countless stories. And obviously, um, Tommy Lee Jones played him in Batman Forever. And then he was featured in um, The Dark Knight. But I just think there's something to be said about someone that's um, conflicted from the inside, you know, where they really want to do well, but then they're kind of prone to. Um, evil out, outrage, essentially. I don't know what you guys think. Those are my villains. Everybody has two sides to them. I think Two-Face is a great villain. Uh, I think General is great. I mean, Wade, I think I believe is Wade Eiling. Uh, yeah, he was in an episode of Justice League Unlimited. And I rem- and I think he was also maybe in, in a show, I think he was. Maybe, I think maybe he was in Smallville, maybe, or what? I'm not sure, but I... Smallville. I'm not, I can't my, remember. Neither can I, but man, he is just like not about superheroes. He is not about superpowered people. And I, I remember in that episode, he was he got he took something to transform him into like uh, a superhero killing machine kind of thing. And Wade Eiling, he is just like yeah, he's a totally an underrated villain. He is like really no joke. He's kind of scary too. Yeah, so that's a good one. I think that Prometheus would be a badass villain in a live action movie. Oh, for sure. And like even not even just a Batman flick, but just a Justice League movie done right, or even like get him in an animated feature, would be pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I just think the fact that it's kind of like that play, a little sci-fi ish. Like he can download information, kind of like the Matrix. Remember, like oh, I don't know how to fly a helicopter. Download some helicopter files to my mind, you know. So yeah. for someone to be able to kind of have that advanced technology he kind of has the opposite origin story as batman because he watched his parents get killed by police officers 
So then he, you know, kind of took the opposite route. But just some of his technology, I think he would make a phenomenal kind of live action. Again, to your point, Rich, animated or, you know, live action. So what about you, Rich? Who you got? So I don't know. I was having a hard time trying to think of uh, somebody underrated. I mean, obviously, like Mark said, Lex Luthor's kind of overdone and he kind of he kind of you can't pigeonhole him into he's been so many different types of villains he's been a mad scientist a rich billionaire it's just like overdone yeah and he's he's been the hero the villain it's kind of just i don't know but as a whole that whole hero and villain thing i kind of went in a different direction i kind of went with a hero that I view as a pretty, I don't know, a hero that I view as the ultimate villain. I went in the direction of the Watchmen, and okay. I'll try to keep this short, but I chose Adrian Veidt, Mendius from the Watchmen. Mm, and if anybody's ever read the Watchmen, it, I mean, we could, we could spend weeks talking about this book. Basically, it's a murder mystery from the very beginning and then you're going back in time all through the this whole entire plot of trying somebody's out to kill these masked vigilantes and just to summarize it you know Adrian Veidt was uh he dubbed himself the smartest man on the planet and he basically hatches this plot and this scheme to bring peace to the world because, uh, like, one of his old watchmen, Captain Metropolis, you know, he was always saying we need to save the world. And I just, I love this book because it's timeless. I think that the uh, the backdrop of this story is still relevant to today. Any kind of, like, political climate is still relevant to today. And I don't know. I try to make a point to read this book maybe every year or every other year because every single time I read it, I, I find out something new. But essentially, Adrian gets this plan to save the world and unite the the United States and the Soviet Union during the Cold War and basically trying to get him back from the brink of nuclear destruction, per se. So he hatches this plot to, uh, uh, let's see, bring a... Uh, biologically engineered telepathic creature to new york city and it murders millions of people i so, do have to say rich the movie ending is far superior to the original book ending i just have to say i will agree with that i i i love the movie too i'm just going strictly off the comics i i, I do love the movie ending better than the book but it's just it still has the same ramifications to it this guy who's supposed to be this hero commits mass murder of millions of people all in the name of trying to save the world. So I just think it as that that's the cool thing about Watchmen because it's a whole lot of anti-heroes like but I mean it's just a whole mass of characters but the whole entire story you're trying to figure out who's out to you know hunting down these these heroes and it's one of their own. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely a book that I think that all comic book readers should read. I mean, like I said, when every single time I read it, I find or I see and I see things that I never saw before. So, I mean, it's it's definitely a work of art. And Alan Moore was basically it was he was way ahead of his time when he wrote it. And I don't know. It's 
it's it's a hard pill to swallow when you're invested in the story and then you find out that the actual villain of the story is one of the heroes. Rich, uh, what is your take on The Watchmen as a movie compared to the book? I think that the the movie is a beautiful representation of the book. The the color palette is a little off because I think that's what makes the the actual graphic novel special is its 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 muted colors and just a nine panel grid that that tells the story and anybody who's reading the um, doomsday clock the current uh, dc rebirth continuity book uh, jeff johns does a really good job of playing homage to that because it's still the nine panel grid and but i mean dude we could talk about this book for for 20 episodes and break it apart but it's definitely one of my top favorite books of all time. That's a good one. I liked how it's a, a hero that's also a villain in some ways. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're right on too with characters like the comedian too. It's like the anti-hero hero. Yeah. So that book is just covered in, I guess, really solid examples of that. I mean, I don't know. It's it's like us as comic readers, like you like the X-Men, you like the Justice League, you like the Avengers, and these are like solid badass powerful heroes and then you read a book like the watchmen and they're all flawed really messed up i mean but they still have that sense of wanting to go out there and you know serve up some hard justice and when i say hard justice i mean they're beating the shit out of people but i mean it's like if you really think about it you're like if if people really were masked vigilantes it would kind of be like this. It would, you would have all this baggage. You would have all this. It's not all sunshine and rainbows if it was going to be legit. So, I mean, I think he really played with the stat Alan Moore, that is played with the status quo of what superheroes and mass vigilantes are. I guess, I mean, and I know you said we could talk about this for a really long time, but again, I'm, I think I'm more drawn to characters that, could actually be recreated in real life. And I think The Watchmen is a really good example of kind of vigilante, um, mercenary type characters that we could see in the real world kind of having a good intention, but carrying real life baggage and kind of the flaws of humanity with them, which I think makes them very compelling characters that I would I think I want to read those types of stories and, th- and read about those types of characters more so than some of the more supernatural stuff. I don't know too much about the Watchmen, but I just watched—I just read the graphic novel and watched the movie. But that's a good—that's a good choice because typically we think villain, 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 bad, bad, bad. But this 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 group doesn't really re- represent that in that sense. You know what I mean? Like strictly villain. You know? Yeah, that's because like when I was thinking about a villain to really, you know, focus on obviously Lex Luthor came to mind and how many times his, I don't know, backstory and how his overall character has morphed over the years and different continuities and stuff. And he's been a good guy and a bad guy. And I'm like, Adrian Veidt, man, he's, he was, he was almost, he was a millionaire, very successful. And he wanted to get into the superhero business basically and then he hatches this plot and sees the world going in a direction that he doesn't see and he's basically like i'm the smartest guy ever so i'm gonna hatch this scheme and i don't know dude like he is definitely uh, you, you got to put him on the anti-hero really you just murdered millions of people all in the name of world peace <laughs> that's some collateral damage right there dude right 
Right, but what's the greater good, right? I think if we were going to talk about mainstream villains, I think we'd probably have to come up with what are some of our um, top stories where they've done something particularly evil. Um, so I think that's maybe for another podcast, because obviously I could think of several um, compelling stories where the villains really cement themselves with some of the things that they do. Yeah, that would be a good show. You know, top things, the worst things supervillains have ever done in comics. Mm-hmm. That way we could pay some homage to some of these more well-known villains. But yeah, I think some of these lesser-known villains are definitely worth talking about because they don't get some of the, the much-due attention. I mean, wouldn't you just love... I mean, I just I would kill to see... Like, it would be so awesome to see Grey Gargoyle. Like, for example, when I saw... Whiplash in Iron Man Two, man, it's like they didn't really, they didn't say his name, but you knew who you knew who that was, and it's just like that was Whiplash. It's just like man, that's so awesome. Like if I saw Tiger Shark or Greg Gargoyle or Whirlwind, that would be so awesome. I just, it was like they just don't get enough spotlight, and so I'm glad that we're we're here, and educating or at least informing the audience and the listeners of these characters, because these villains, they're out there and they're, in the, and they're in these books and they're really great, solid, strong character, strong villain. So I, I really am enjoying this conversation. So Rich, um, what's on the blast from the past? Well, this uh, episode I picked, uh, let's see, Wizard 109 from October 2000. So a whopping 19 years ago. So I'll take it in a different direction. The top, uh, we're looking at the top 10 creators, writers, and artists. So the number one writer for this particular 19 years ago, what do you, who do you think it was? Writer? Yeah. Whew, I don't know. Surprise me. Garth Ennis for his work on The Punisher and The Preacher. Preacher. And oh. Mark, you're really going to love uh, number two. Who's your all-time favorite? Chris Claremont. Chris Claremont comes Woo-hoo! in at number two, Uncanny X-Men and the X-Men. And then, God, how many uh, runs did he do on the X-Men? He had the longest. I believe it was 17 years. So it, it goes to number three was Mark Miller with the authority. Uh, good old Alan Moore at number four for America's Best Comics. Then you had Jeff Loeb come in with Superman, Batman Dark Victory. That was a good run. Oh, that was a great run. So that's the top five writers. So the top five artists, you had uh, number one was my boy, Ed McGinnis, when he got his start on Superman. Sweet. You got a custom-made cover from him, didn't you? Action 1000? I sure do, man. That's one of my favorite things from New York City Comic Con. I'll have to post a picture of it on the Facebook page for everybody to see. Uh, Number two, you had Fu from X-Men. Then you had number three, who's your favorite artist of all time, Mark Mazak. George Perez. On what book? Avengers? The Avengers. Volume three? Yep. Woo! Then you had number four, Michael Turner, God rest his soul, on uh, Fathom. And then good old number five, Alex Ross on uh, Universe X. Universe I'm not a big X. Alex Ross fan. I'm sorry. He... Oh, Mark, Get what? Oh, Change comics forever. I'm not. Change comic not. books forever. I uh. mean, he it's he. They're too god looking like. What? I'm not. A, I'm not a big Alex Ross fan. Dude, I'm have not. you read Kingdom Come? Uh, yeah. When did you read Kingdom Come? You need to pick that back up. That's ridiculous. I mean, I again, I think he makes some of the most iconic comic characters look like real people his work is iconic 
And I get that, but I just I'm not interested. Mm-mm. Too realistic for you, there, buddy. Is uh, maybe we are definitely going to get some hate mail on that comment. Okay, Mark. So, out of your four villains that you picked, if you had to pick one, who would it be? Whirlwind. And then Rob, you're going with Prometheus. Oh, absolutely, for sure. And then I'm going with Adrian Veidt. Hmm. So, li- guys out there listening, even if you don't necessarily know who our villains are or don't necessarily agree please write into us we'd love to hear who your favorite underrated villains are or who you who your favorite villains are doesn't matter yeah yeah please we'd really like to get you involved in the conversation so shoot us an email at heroeshomebase at gmail.com all right so if we're gonna rank these whirlwind prometheus and adrian Vite, what's your pick mark probably i don't know a whole lot about prometheus but judging from what you from what rob is telling us i say prometheus whirlwind and then Adrian Veidt. Okay. Rob? Man, this is two episodes in a row where I actually think Rich's character um, one-ups mine. Um, I think Veidt, Prometheus, and then Whirlwind is how I would rank those. I don't know, man. I'm going with Prometheus, Whirlwind, and Adrian Veidt. Because even though I brought Adrian Veidt to the table say that he is a for-sure villain because he thought he was doing what is right and how effed up that is you know he's still thinking that he's got the righteous like i don't know it's hard to pick man his intentions were good but it still resulted in things like a super hip villain he's yeah he straight up did a villain move there i don't know i'm gonna go with prometheus whirlwind and adrian vite all right does that surprise you mark (laughs) a little bit I don't know. I think that uh, Prometheus at this day and age, like that, that's a villain that could probably happen. Like somebody could invent something where you could just download something to your brain. I'm sure that's going to be how we're going to learn things in the future. And yeah, then, that's you know, what I'm saying. That's pretty. You know, the, he hacked the just or he hacked the back computer. That is no small feat. And to to take down <laughs> Oracle, that's no small feat either. That is no freaking small feat. So that's why I'm like I'm impressed. Well, not yeah. only that, but I mean he's single handedly. Took down the entire JLA. I mean, yeah. that's impressive. That makes you a substantial threat for sure. So we're going with what's what's our what's our grand ranking here? At Prometheus, Whirlwind, Vite. Uh, I'm good with that. I'll change my answer because Rich, you bring up a good point that Vite is not the um, classic definition of a villain. So I'm good with that. All right, guys, I really, really enjoyed this conversation, and uh, I look forward to many, many more here coming. So thanks, guys, for listening. I'm Rich. I'm Mark, and thanks, Herb, for writing in, and we look forward to hearing from the rest of you guys. And I'm Rob, and you guys can now hit us up on Heroes Home Base podcast on Facebook. So we have a Facebook page up and running now, so we'll post uh, updates and information there, and you can certainly um, comment whatever you'd like. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again, guys, for listening to this RMR production.